When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we've had quite a day, Heather. We swam in the bay this morning. Uh, now we're recording in an empty as hell parking garage. <laughs> um, and we're being serenaded by our new favorite classical musician, a cellist playing on the first floor of this two floor parking garage. Yeah, you were driving, so I popped out to give him some money and record a video. His name is Elijah, and he's 15, and he's a beautiful musician. He was happy to be um, recorded by us. I did not ask him why he's not in school, but maybe we should ask on the way out. Well, I think you should ask him, but we should not stop him from playing up there because that was a lovely moment. Um, this is a great, great place to play classical music, nice, nice acoustics, not the best place to record a podcast because really this parking garage is empty. Yes, the upper deck is perhaps a third to a half full, I'd say, and we came down to the lower deck, so um, we'd have a bit more room. We have plenty of room down here. There are, I can see, four cars. Yeah, you could play like two football games down here, and you wouldn't hit any cars. There are poles holding up the parking garage, but that's about it. Um, Why do we do this, Heather? (laughs) Why are we recording (laughs) in a parking garage? I'm asking myself that right now. No, the reason is because the Music Concourse Garage between the Academy of Sciences and the de Young Museum is underground with 800 spaces for cars. And as people are still fighting about car-free JFK drive and whether to keep it that way permanently, they keep saying, but where are people going to the museums going to park? And we came here to show them where in this garage built just for that purpose. And there's been a lot of social media banter lately from our um, bicycle and pedestrian friends who've brought their kids to learn how to ride their bike in the garage. They've played, um, I think we saw like maybe a hockey game. Um, (laughs) We've seen people pointing out that this is a giant unused space down here where all of the cars could easily fit. Well, I have a Frisbee in the car. We can uh, bring that out uh, after we record. More on car-free JFK coming up. But please stay till the end of this podcast. We have a bonus interview with our cello player who has been serenading us. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. So let's talk about your recent scoop, your column, Heather. Seems like you had some good news for Car Free JFK. Yes, we've had some disappointments in terms of keeping the few car-free streets we got during the pandemic permanent, but there finally seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a done deal yet because, you know, everything in, related to San Francisco City Hall takes about 10 times longer than it 
than you think it should. But the um, Park and Rec Department and SFMTA have landed on three scenarios they have presented to the public for surveys and forums and more talking. And um, they're hopeful that they have come up with a good enough um, situation for disabled parking and access and other issues that they can make car-free JFK Drive a permanent fixture from here on out. The board will probably vote on that early next year. And then hopefully it'll be um, once and for all official after about 50 years of advocates fighting for it. So it seems like from your column, as it should be, there's a focus on disabled access. There's a focus on getting uh, elderly people who want to go to the museums to the museums. It seems like a lot of the other distractions, I'm not hearing that anymore. Um, You know, the recreational redlining argument that uh, one supervisor made. I noticed that, you know, the, the museum group was trying to hammer home that the bicyclists were the elites and had $40,000 cargo bikes. I I just, all that seemed like a huge distraction. I'm not hearing that now. Yeah, I think the city officials have done a good job of cutting through the BS and presenting facts and data and and some really good uh, fixes to the area, which should make it a better park for everybody. So they've added more disabled parking. They're turning um, a pretty unused um, parking lot that's actually really close to us um, behind the music concourse, the band shell there into disabled parking. And they're going to be improving the shuttle service so elderly and disabled people can get up and down JFK Drive more efficiently. And they're going to um, have better signage to the garage and to the shuttle stops, talking about having um, scooters and bikes you can rent in the park, um, better drop-off at the museum, above ground, taxi access, all sorts of things that they're working on to make it better for everyone. And in my opinion, um, that work means that JFK Drive definitely should stay car-free because it's so beloved by pedestrians and bicyclists and little kids and people of all ages. I think we can dismiss um, some of those claims from other people that it's exclusive. When you're out there, you see people of all ages, races, genders, um, ability levels, enjoying it together. Yeah. And it's, you know, we have a Vision Zero pledge that every politician is making. And that corridor was a very high injury corridor. It was a dangerous place. Yeah, it was on the city's high injury network because people are injured there very frequently. It used to be used as a cut through. Almost everyone who used it 75 to 80 percent, according to the city, um, in their cars were just zipping from one point outside the park to another point outside the park. And it was basically a highway, which is insane if you think about it. The space in front of the Conservatory of Flowers and the skating place. And that should not be like a a speedy cut through for cars. It's obviously better used as a pedestrian and bicyclist safe promenade. And also it's being used. I I come out here pretty randomly, sometimes to work on a project, sometimes to just get, you know, some recreation, sometimes to come out with my kids. Whenever I come here, I came with my dad, my 86 year old dad, we biked out. Whenever I come here, it's being used. And I would argue that a lot of the spaces that aren't being used as much, you know, there's still a benefit to to opening a slow street and letting it develop. But this has developed. Yeah, people have been using this on Sundays for decades and Saturdays um, more recently. But there's a real desire that, you know, not everybody works nine to five Monday through Friday. And people do want space during the week, too, to be safe and to exercise and have fun. So it seems like there's still a steadfast group that does not want this to happen. Um, I saw the 
uh, retweet of that letter that was written by uh, Connie Chan. <laughs> yeah, that's why this is definitely not a done deal because it still needs um, a vote of the Board of Supervisors and Supervisor Connie Chan, who represents the Richmond District just north of the park, um, is still pushing for her version, which would allow cars to um, access the museum area via 8th Avenue. And city officials say that that's dangerous to have cars cut through the middle of JFK Drive where, you know, little kids will be riding their bikes and older people will be walking with canes and you don't want them mixing with cars cutting across. And so that is not one of the final scenarios that they're, that the city is looking at. Um, and Supervisor Chan was angry when she um, read that her scenario isn't <laughs> in the mix in my column and um, and quickly sent an email to city officials that I got a copy of and put on Twitter. Sunshine Act. She was not happy. <laughs> and actually, if government officials are learning things from the newspaper, that means we're doing our job. Yeah, it really makes you worry for our future if fighting over one and a half miles of pavement is um, so, you know, contentious in a city that says it's all about... Um, addressing climate change and making streets safer for pedestrians and bicyclists and transit first and getting people out of cars and all these things that they say. And yet when you don't see that implemented in, in actual policy, it's really frustrating. Yeah. I just feel like fighting tooth and nail for, you know, cars on a, like you said, what, 1.2, one mile, and a half, one and a half mile stretch of road that's used by people as a freeway. It's dangerous. I, I just think that's not going to age well. No. Um, speaking of aging well, only bad segues in this podcast. <laughs> oh no, what are you going to say? I'm next? working on a column. Um, I actually decided to look back and find out about the first automobiles in Golden Gate Park oh. and how they were let in. Mm -hmm. And it brought me all the way back to 1902, wow. which is when the automobile was absolutely brand new. There were like probably less than a hundred of them in Northern California. And the very first automobile that was pulled over, I believe it doesn't say in the article, but I believe it was a policeman on a horse pulled over an automobile. <laughs> wow. So the very first like pullover in San Francisco was on the Great Highway. And it was a, a guy on a you know, police officer standing there and this car's speeding back and forth. And finally, he pulls him over which back then there are no other cars. So people are just in wonderment, I'm sure, of what this mechanical thing is. Um, and the policeman um, told him to stop and got his information. So, I love that. Yeah. But that led to many, many headaches in the park because early on, as more and more people got automobiles, more and more of them started going into the park and speeding. And this is an area where you know, there are a lot of children and, and um, John McLaren had created the park as a, a really natural place and not a place for motor vehicles. So um, right away, the park said no cars in Golden Gate Park, wow. you know. So what, where are those officials now? We could use them. Well, it was 1905. Mm. So um, their great, great grandchildren are probably still around. But um, so here's my favorite part. It was so San Francisco. Immediately, the Automobile Association, not AAA, but it was the uh -huh. Automobile Association, this brand new one, starts lobbying the um, parkhead. This is 1905, saying you need to allow cars in the park. You need to relax your rules. Um, they come to an agreement that some cars will be allowed on certain roads, and they have to get an eight-mile-per-hour speed limit and very strict rules and very, very few cars in the park. Uh, so 
right after that, all the cars come in and especially at night when they're trying to get to the cliff house or wherever, they start speeding. They're like barreling through the park like, like bootleggers. And I'm not kidding, this is uh, July 4th, 1907, headline in the Chronicle, buckshot for speeding autos. Have men shoot at tires, says Park Commissioner Metzen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and See, this is, what are people mad about? Phil Ginsburg is not telling people to shoot at tires. Yeah, no one's telling anybody to shoot at tires now. And if they did, it might be the bikes. Um, so here's a quote from Park Commissioner Metzen. We don't have his first name or her first name. Sorry. I bet it was a man. This is I bet it was a man. It was 1907. Special policemen should be stationed in the park armed with shotguns to shoot the tires of automobiles exceeding the speed limit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, that was not ever implemented i feel like our friend quentin cop would disapprove i think quentin cop would disapprove i think he probably would send him an angry letter i think most people in san francisco these days would disapprove of anybody shooting buckshot at anything i hope i'm right um but serious too not long after that there's another headline here policeman run down by a speeding auto officer gregans while trying to stop machine is injured and it was an, a hit and run. I mean, maybe wow. the first hit and run in San Francisco. Now, this is a few years earlier, um, back in 1905. But um, I look through and there's just all these stories, story after story of cars in the park. And the park is trying to cut down on it. Anyway, it ends in the most San Francisco way in 1911 when there's a big story about how the park commissioner, McLaren, who's a legend and should be beloved, but in this situation doesn't look too good. He was gifted a car by the city and they have like so much about the make and mark of the car that I'm wondering if it was like, you know, a deal with the auto company and then the park got a bunch of cars. And then from then on, wow, cars were allowed in the park. So it ended with, it wasn't graft, but it was uh, next to it, next to it. So that's our history. The of, more things change, the more they stay the same. City yeah. officials taking gifts that they shouldn't. Cars causing controversy in Golden Gate Park. Not much has changed. We'll be right back after this short break. So after that little detour, let's assess where we've come, Heather. Where are we on a pro-pedestrian, pro-bike, pro-transit future? I wrote a column in summer 2020 talking about all of these kind of benchmarks we could hit. And I'm wondering if we could just almost like go down the list and talk about where we are, what we've accomplished, and maybe some opportunities that we've missed. I remember that story. I Back then, I was so optimistic that you were right and all these great changes would happen. And <laughs> I'm not very optimistic anymore. Well, let's start with the losses then. Um, great highway. It's not over, but that was definitely... Um, a disappointment that was I think I wrote in my column that like Great Highway and Car Free JFK are going to be the test and if those go back then it's over before we start we're not going to make any big changes yeah that's why I'm pessimistic because neither one well the Great Highway has reverted to cars uh, five days a week JFK Drive is still being fought over and um neither one is is final and so I'm not that optimistic about anything else that was on your list also, ever since that bizarre backroom compromise um, to go to revert to cars five days a week on the Great Highway, things out there have been um, pretty nasty, you know, from what you see on social media. Um, 
I've seen videos of when a bicyclist, I saw a mom um, going to pick up her kid on a bike on the Great Highway. And bikes are still in the week, obviously, allowed to take a lane. That's, you know, according to our own traffic laws. And these cars were just doing super dangerous, really close passes of her. And um, people were getting their license plates. And, of course, police didn't do anything. Um, Nothing happened to those drivers. There was a a man out last week um, protesting um, the bicyclists with a sign that says get out of my neighborhood and things are just still nasty yeah and it and we should say it's not over they're still um assessing the situation but the fact that they opened it back up to cars i think is not a good sign um and i'm really going to trigger you twin peaks um was closed was heather's (laughs) utopia (laughs) and then um they partially opened it back up to cars and especially tour buses. Yes, and that, it does seem to be a done deal. So um, the part closer to me, Portola, the south entrance that I was using a lot with my family and loving it during the pandemic, to walk or bike up there um, has reopened to cars, which is a super bummer. I'll move on. I know it's a sad subject for you. Um, Golf courses are still golf courses. I didn't think for real that golf courses were going to turn into parks forever, but I miss the golf courses. That was fun. Yeah. And I was hoping maybe one day a week they'd still be Parkland, but it doesn't seem to be. Yeah. That seems so far away. I haven't even thought about that in months. Um, Small one, you know, and I'm super sympathetic to this, uh, Funding was scaled down and Market Street, this big plan to put in these beautiful bike lanes and separators and stuff, they just don't have the money to tear up the sidewalks and, and you know, moving a utility pole, things like that. Um, it sounds like that's not going to get done. No, that's another strike on the list. Well, that brings me to a positive. And I felt like with Market Street, you know, I was disappointed in that, but it seems like with that lack of money, the bike infrastructure away from Market Street is still happening. And every time I've come here on my bike in the pandemic to do kind of a longer ride, I am so happy to see that there's always, it seems like, some kind of new infrastructure going on. John King, mentioned his name again, just did a project where he um, just toured all of the bike improvements in downtown and noted how a lot of them, like, you're going down a bike lane and suddenly the little green things just like splits for a utility pole. And it looks really bad, like just from a visual point of view, but it's great. They put this bike lane in, they did it cheaply and quickly. And I think, yeah, I'm disappointed that some of these really, really big things aren't happening, but there've been a lot of little things that I've seen happening that, that I'm encouraged about. Yeah, I think slowly but surely it's getting easier to bike around the city. Um, And I think um, SFMTA is taking that seriously. Another one in the positive category are a few slow streets are permanent, including Sanchez Street. And I love seeing um, how the community there has really banded together to um, just enliven that road. And I pass it uh, quite a lot and see people using it all the time um, with planters and art and that mural is still there by Amos Goldbaum on the street. And um, now there's a movement to paint garage doors along the street in really bright colors. I saw a picture of that on Twitter the other day, and and that's a positive. Yeah, I did a tour with some of the slow Sanchez street people and got to meet a bunch of business owners and just kind of drill in and explore that art. There's a rainbow garage that you press once on a doorbell and it'll play a kid's song. And if you press a little longer, it'll play kind of like a good end of the week 
get the party started. Oh, song. that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, just lots of things to explore there. I think slow streets, you know, it can almost become another form of tourism because it just opens up a neighborhood and transforms a neighborhood. And I think it's a positive thing. Heather, one of your favorites, parklets. I was worried that they were going to get rid of those right away. And it seems like that might be a permanent fixture of San Francisco. It is. That's officially official, too. Um, they are forever, and I'm super glad about that. I love eating outside when the weather's nice enough. It's just more fun to be outside than inside. And so I'm glad that that's going to be part of our city um, from here on out. And then finally, car-free JFK. You know, if, if we come out of this with this space, to me, this has been the best space, the most used space, and has the most potential for the future. I, I think I read in your column that uh, David Miles, the skating place, could even get expanded. Yes, I took my older son to Church of Eight Wheels the other day for the first time, and he loved it. And I saw David, and one of my most proud moments um, in recent months was he told me, I finally think JFK Drive is going to happen. And if it does, you're partly responsible. And he gave me a fist bump. And I was like, oh, oh my, my God, God, I can die now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was so happy. Yeah. But speaking, uh, you said that is used. Opposite of where we are now, unused. A key part to making this park better, including JFK Drive, is changing the way this garage operates, um, lowering prices, making it under city control. It's run by this um, bizarre nonprofit um, that doesn't seem to do much overseeing. And um, and as we can see, hardly anybody's using it. So uh, lower prices allow more people to park here and off the streets above us, which was the whole point of the garage in the first place. So come on, city. And more teens playing classical music. More cello. I thought I heard a choir up there for a second, but maybe I'm just hallucinating <laughs> after our bass We should go swing. back and see if there's any more musicians. Let's go up and see if there's a choir. Um, before we do, though, so Heather, car-free JFK, if it happens, if after all this time we get a real car-free JFK, not the compromised version, but a real one, what do we do to celebrate? Mm. We should have a total SF party. Bring your bike, your roller skates, your skateboard, your scooter, or just walk, and we should all come out here and... Swim in Stow Lake? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. Well? How about if we, how about if we do this? This will be a first for Total SF. How about if we just come out and you and I can maybe bring some baked goods or something... And we don't do anything that is painful or a horrible endurance test that turns <laughs> us into zombies. Or freezing like this morning in aquatic park. Yeah. Okay, you mean just come and have fun? So Total SF Party on Car Free JFK, we're bringing our bikes when this becomes permanent, maybe some baked goods. Are you talking about edibles again? <laughs> no, I'm not talking about edibles. Uh, no, no, no edibles, certainly not if there are children around, or we will be very, very careful to separate <laughs> them. <laughs> Deal. All right, excellent. Well, thank you for joining me in this parking garage. I thought uh, I'm going to get the Frisbee out, and and um, we'll go for some kind of long bombs because there's about 100 yards of space here to, to hang out. Thanks, Heather. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. 
Total SF is a production of The Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I'm Peter Hartlob. I work with the San Francisco Chronicle. You've, you've met Heather, I think. Why don't you go ahead and start. So your name is Elijah? Yes. And what was your last name? Delamotte. And you're 15? Yes. Do you live in the city? Yes. And where do you go to school? Um, I'm homeschooled. Oh, cool. And yeah. that's why you can be out here today? <laughs> yeah. You're not cutting class? No. <laughs> um, yeah, I come here to practice um, so that the neighbors in my apartment don't like have to be bugged by the music. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. How long have you been playing the cello? Um, 13 years. Wow. So you started when you were two? Yes. How does a two-year-old play such a giant instrument? Um, it was a very small one. A very okay. small cello. Yes. <laughs> I didn't, I've never heard of that before. Wow. What, what pieces have we been what pieces have we been enjoying today? Because we've been downstairs and we can still hear you. It sounds fantastic. Oh. Well, I'm I'm playing um, the Shostakovich Cello Concerto. And then I'm also um, working on a um, piano trio. Nice. Well, congratulations. You play beautifully. Thank you. Thank you so much for playing the cello for us. We've been really enjoying it the last hour. Thank you. It's good to meet you. Thank you.